You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Yodi Anderson. You may have heard that giving a pet for Christmas is a terrible idea. And I'll confess, I have thought that for many, many years as well. However, not necessarily. I'll give you the scoop when we come back, along with tips for helping you bring a new pet home for the holidays, help decrease holiday stress with existing pets, and much more. All when Get Positive Results returns on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's designerpetsweaters.com, the latest fashion trends for our furry friends. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Teody Anderson. For years and years, pet professionals have been telling people not to give pets as gifts, especially during the holiday season. I've heard that forever. Oh, it's terrible. You should never give a puppy or a kitten or any kind of pet over the holidays. Don't do it. And sure, there are lots of downsides. It's a busy time. This is crazy. I have not even begun. Okay, I've a little bit of my holiday shopping, but I still have so much to do. It's not even funny. So I'm trying not to look at the calendar to find out how what little time I have left for this. But it's really busy. People are shopping and they're getting ready to take time off. So work is really stressful. They're trying to get all their projects done. It's coming up also on the end of the year. So people are getting those kind of projects done. Maybe people are traveling over the holidays. Either they're traveling to family or friends places or they have family or friends coming to them. So you've got house guests. Oh my gosh, we have to clean. It's a chaotic time. There's also more temptations, especially for puppies and kittens. Kittens like to climb trees. Heck, cats like to climb Christmas trees. There are ornaments. There are bright, shiny objects all over the house and bows and ribbons. And these can be really, really tempting. So I think all of those things are valid. All those things are true. And the concern is that what happens when the holiday magic turns into year-round reality? When people say, oh, this was so cute and the puppy had a bow around his neck and now he's bigger and he's eating everything and he's eliminating in the house and we need to train him and we want to get rid of him. So I think that is where the basis of that originally came from, just a guess, but that you shouldn't give pets as gifts, especially for the holidays, because when that holiday magic wears off, you're stuck with this year-round reality, and the dogs or cats would be relinquished to the shelter or given to rescue groups or dumped, heaven forbid, on the side of the road because it wasn't cute anymore. 
but studies have shown that it may not be as terrible an idea as you would think. And they've done this study a couple times. This was uh, on the ASPCA website. It was a study done by several people, a research project, and they wanted to find out if it was actually true or whether it's one of those urban legends that has persisted. And what they found was... Here's a quote. We found that receiving a dog or cat as a gift was not associated with impact on self-perceived love attachment or whether the dog or cat was still in the home. What this means is that the people didn't love their dogs any less because it was a gift. They didn't love their cats any less because it was a gift just because rather than picking that out themselves. This is huge. This means if you love something, you're not likely to dump it. So this was really, really impactful. And it also didn't have an impact on whether the dog or cat was still in the home. It turns out that they stayed there just as long. And if you think about it, dogs are dumped in shelters year-round. People don't wait till just after the holidays. So this turned out to not be true, at least according to these studies. And they've done them a couple times now to keep up with things and to make sure that it is truly a myth. The results suggest there is no increased risk of relinquishment for dogs and cats received as a gift. And why this is important is that some rescue organizations won't even adopt out during the holidays. They don't even want to go there. And they could be denying wonderful homes to really loving families that are just ready at this time of year to have a pet just because of the holiday season. So hopefully the study gets out and hopefully people learn that it's not necessarily a bad idea. If you're going to do it, though, here's, here's the caveat. If you're going to give a pet as a gift, please do it right. There are definitely right and wrong ways to do it. And here are my tips for that. First of all, I don't think a pet should be given ever as a surprise. I don't mean if you have children. If you're adults and you have kids and you want to get them, you've already done your research and done all the homework and you know what you want to do and you want to give the pet as a surprise for the children. It's a surprise for the children. That's one thing. But giving a pet as a surprise to somebody else, to another adult, I just don't think is a great idea. First of all, the person needs to be able to take care of the pet. And pets are expensive. When they're puppies and kittens, they need lots of shots. Heaven forbid they get sick. Uh, Veterinary care can add up. They also have costs in terms of equipment that they need. You're going to need a crate or you might need litter box and lots of litter. You need dog toys and leashes and collars and bowls. They're expensive. The pet industry is really big. People spend lots of money on pets, which is great if you want to. But if you weren't expecting it, it can be a financial burden. It ends up being a financial burden for lots of folks, especially if your pet unfortunately gets something like cancer or something. It really, really can add up. The person's also going to need the time. Kittens are generally more self-sufficient than dogs, but you still want to bond with the kitten. You need to spend time with it and interact with it, play with it, train it. All those things come into play with cats as well as dogs. Dogs more so. They're going to need a lot more training uh, for indoor dogs and for all dogs in general. There's a lot more work that needs to be done, I believe, with dogs, but that takes time. It also takes training, and there's costs involved there too. So if somebody isn't expecting that, it's really not fair to unload this living emotional creature on them. I never think that that's a good idea. Uh, Some people have good intentions. Maybe their friend lost a pet earlier in the year and they're feeling kind of sad over the holidays. And so they're just going to surprise them with the kitten. That's not necessarily a way for that person to heal. Everybody's different. When it comes to that, some people have to rush right out and get another pet. That's absolutely fine for those people. Other people can't do it. Sometimes they have to wait. Some people wait years before they can get another pet. And that's okay, too. It's very personal. Grief is personal. But please don't give a pet 
to another adult as a surprise. I just think that is not a good way to go. A gift is not supposed to be a burden. It's supposed to be something pleasant. So you don't want to surprise somebody with this gift of a pet and have it be a terrible disaster. The other tip I'm going to offer if you want to do this for Christmas, just make sure all family members, at least the adults, are on the same page. I had a client several years ago and the family had wanted to get a pet. Of course, they found me after they got the dog. She told me that she had wanted a little fluffy lap dog. She had her heart set on a Maltese and she'd studied all about Malteses and that's a little white toy breed for those of you who don't know. And she loved them. She wanted this little cuddle thing. She was going to carry it around. It was going to be precious. Her husband brought home a Labrador puppy. Well, I love Labradors. I've had two of them in my life. They were the best dogs ever. Labradors, the top registered dog with the American Kennel Club in America. It's a very popular dog. That's not what this woman wanted. It's what her husband wanted. It's not what she wanted. And Labrador puppies, I did tell you that I love them. I love them very much. They're clinically insane for about two and a half years. They're just crazy. They're hyper and they're mouthy and they put everything in their mouth. I mean, they're just nutcases for a couple years. They need a lot of work, a lot of exercise, a lot of training. They're awesome dogs, but they're not for everybody. So she was expecting this little fluffy puffball and she got this very large, rambunctious Labrador puppy. Well, she resented it. And I'm pretty sure she resented her husband too. I got a lot of vibes on that. She kept talking about his dog. Well, that's his dog. And that's why they came to me. They were having problems with the dog. Well, you've heard that dogs can sense fear. They can surely sense resentment. (laughs) This woman didn't like the dog and she made it very, very clear. So the dog didn't listen to a word she said because she never spent time with it. Dogs will bond most closely with whatever or whomever they spend the most time with. If you have a dog that spends most of his time in the backyard with another dog and he's not allowed inside but maybe at night, that dog is going to bond with the dog outside and pay attention to what that dog is doing much more so than to the humans in his life because he doesn't see him as often. Whereas dogs that live inside with us and are part of our lives, they listen to us more because they're more bonded. We spend time with them. We interact with them. Well, this woman did not spend any time at all with his dog and he knew it. So he didn't care anything she said. So that just added to her frustration. She got angrier and angrier with the dog. And he was just a sweet, sweet. There was nothing wrong with this dog. He was a doll baby. What happened was the spouses did not get on the same page about bringing this dog home. And so we worked through some issues and and I tried to help her realize the, the benefits of this dog. But a lot of it was issues between them. Can't help them with that. Not the marriage counselor, just the dog trainer. So it was really uncomfortable. So if you're going to do this, make sure the adults are on the same page about size of dog, activity of dog. Do you like active dogs? Do you like more laid back dogs? Grooming. Some dogs require a lot of grooming, all that hair. Uh, Sometimes some are going to shed a lot more than others. So just make sure everybody's on the same page, especially the one that's going to end up having to take care of it. I'm absolutely going to do a future show on how to choose the right dog for your family. But for now, I'm assuming that you're getting a holiday pet. You've already made up your mind. So that's what the theme of this show is. So tune in the future because I'm absolutely going to do one on how to choose the right dog for your family. But for now, let's just go with the thought that you've already decided and you're on board with getting a pet for the holidays. And the holidays are really coming up soon. So that's why I'm assuming that one. And here's some more tips for making those early days go smoothly. Try to keep as close a routine as you can with your regular life. Puppies especially are going to adjust more quickly and they're going to train more easily with a routine. Dogs are such creatures of routine. That's why daylight savings time throws them off 
horribly. So you want to make sure that you're going to keep to that routine. And by that, I mean potty breaks at the same time, especially feedings at the same time. My preference is that puppies eat three times a day and you don't leave the food out all the time. But with the holidays, it can be crazy, right? So you bring the puppy home and the first day you feed it 8 a.m. for breakfast and then the next day it gets a 10 a.m. breakfast and then the next day after that it gets a 7 a.m. breakfast. Well, try not to do that because it's just going to be really stressful for the puppy. It's going to be harder to uh, house train him as well. So as close as you can to a routine that you're going to have after the holidays are over, that's what I want you to strive for. It's just going to be a lot easier in the long run. Don't overwhelm the new addition. Holidays are nuts. They're crazy. You got lots of things going on. But make sure that that animal has plenty of quiet, restful breaks. If you have lots of visitors, it might be too much for that new pet. You definitely want to socialize puppies and kittens. Kittens should be socialized as well. Let's not forget the kitties. But you need to look for signs of stress. You're going to look in dogs for panting. Cats will pant too when they're under duress. Dogs are going to lip lick. They're going to lick their lips. They're going to turn away. Puppies may sleep a lot. And puppies tend to sleep a lot anyway, depending how young you get them. Hopefully, no younger than in eight weeks. But if there's all sorts of chaos going on and the puppy just stays asleep and doesn't seem to want to wake up, it could be shutting the world out. And that's not a good sign. That could be future fear problems later. So make sure that the puppy is not overwhelmed, that the kids aren't dragging it around or dressing it up or interacting with it inappropriately. And the adults in your life, make sure they're not interacting with it inappropriately as well. Because if those puppies get overwhelmed by too many people, you're actually undoing your socialization. That's not how you do it right. And so your goal in making sure that your animal is well socialized is going to be completely thrown out the window. You're actually doing the opposite of that. So we want to make sure it's a good start. And if it's an adult animal, it may be able to handle the chaos a little bit better. But remember, this is still a new environment for that older animal. It's going to be very stressful. So you want to make sure that we got lots of quiet, restful breaks. You also need to be very vigilant. You need to do that with any young creature you bring in your house. Puppies and kittens can get into trouble in lightning quick seconds. But you want to be extra vigilant because there's going to be ornaments and holiday decorations, kids' toys. The children's love for the pet is not going to last very long if Fido rips through all their presents and eats their toys or shreds them to bits, or if the kitten claws up a little new doll or something like that. We don't want that to happen. So make sure that you're extra vigilant, which is hard during the holidays because you've got a lot of things calling for your attention, but it really is important. Another thing that a lot of people don't think about is when you bring any new pet to your home, I don't care how old they are, you really should make an appointment with your veterinarian for 48 hours, two business days when you bring the pet home. If you ever purchase from a breeder, they may require it. But even if your pet has had vet checkups and shots through a local shelter or rescue organization, I still advocate taking it to your veterinarian within two days. You want to find any issues that might be with that pet that you need to jump on right away to keep that pet healthy. Maybe your vet will find things that could be cause for concern. But you want to do that early, early on in that relationship. Plus, you want your vet to start a relationship with your pet because you'll be taking your pet there for the rest of his or her life as well. But this is the holidays. 
So make the appointment now. If you know you're going to bring that pet home over the holidays, make that appointment now and make sure that the vet is going to be available because vets need holidays too. I don't know how they do what they do. I have such tremendous respect for veterinarians. So they're going to want to take a holiday break and you may not be able to get worked into there. If you're not able to, if you're not able to get that appointment within a reasonable time frame, make one as soon as possible. And if this is your first pet, because I've known that to happen. Some people like to get their first pet around the holidays. That's fine. You may not have a relationship with a veterinarian yet. So be sure you've written down in a place where you can easily find, put it in your smartphone if you have it, put it on the fridge. Hopefully you won't need it. But make sure you have the location and phone number and information for the emergency vet. Because if an emergency occurs and you don't have a vet to go to, you have to take your pet to the emergency clinic over the holidays. We are very lucky to have emergency vets throughout the country that are available in the evenings and on weekends and during holidays. They sacrifice their holidays for us for those emergencies. And especially if you have young pets, but even older pets, they can get into so much trouble. And it's always at 2 a.m. and you're driving like a maniac with this pet in duress in your car and you can't find the location. So find out where it is ahead of time because that's just going to be added stress you don't need. And hopefully you never need it. I once knew a chihuahua. I was at the emergency vet, unfortunately, for one of my pets. He ended up being fine. It was a, he'd ripped out his stitches. Even with one of those Elizabethan collars on, I might add, it was brilliant of him. My bedroom looked like a crime scene. I came home and he had ripped out stitches on his foot. This is one of my Labradors, by the way. And he was an old man by then. He was an older man. He was about 10, I think, when he did this. And he had this whopping Elizabethan collar on and he'd ripped out the stitches in his toe. And there was blood everywhere in my bedroom. It looked like a crime scene. And he was so pleased with himself. He was so happy. And I was very impressed that he could make such a mess and that he could actually reach what he did despite that huge collar. Anyway, I was at the emergency vets and there was a chihuahua there who had hopped up on a end table outside by the pool and had drunk half a glass of wine. Wine is very sweet. Some pets like the taste. The dog was in an alcoholic coma. And I checked on it a couple of days later. I have friends who worked at the emergency clinic, and they told me that, that the dog eventually recovered. But the dog almost didn't make it. Alcohol can be set out. You know, people are sipping a glass of wine, maybe beer. They set it down. Don't even pay attention. Next thing you know, the cat is going, oh, Cabernet or something like that. I mean, you would not believe what pets would get into. So it's not always, sometimes it's a liquid. Look at it that way. So alcohol is very dangerous for pets. It can severely hurt them. This little chihuahua didn't have a lot of weight behind him anyway. So the uh, alcohol that's just a half a glass of wine put him in a coma. And um, we want to make sure that everything is up and away and you know where the emergency vet is should you need it. Hopefully you won't. So those are my tips for bringing a dog home if you think that it's right for your family for the holiday. But maybe your children are pestering you for a pet, but you're not quite ready for it. You're not sure you want to do something for the holidays, but you haven't committed yet or you know it's going to be a crazy time. I'm going to give you a great idea for a holiday gift that can get the whole family involved in choosing the perfect pet. And I'm going to share that with you when you come back, along with one of my favorite holiday pet memories, right after these messages. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. 
Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Hey there, pet parents. This is Christy Vaughn, host of The Doggy Dish. Do you love your furry companion? Do you love making him or her healthy treats but can't seem to find the time? Great news. The Doggy Dish is the perfect show for you. Every episode is chock full of healthy and easy recipes that are made with ingredients you most likely have on hand. Tune into The Doggy Dish for yummy and healthy recipes for your canine kids. Every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Teodi Anderson. Today, we're talking about Santa Paws bringing home a pet for the holidays. Not as bad as we thought, according to some recent studies. Gave you some tips on how to make that go smoother for you. Before I get into one of my favorite holiday gifts to recommend for families not quite ready to bring a dog, let's talk about your existing pets. If you have existing pets in the home, this can be a really stressful time, especially if you have people coming in and out. A couple things you can do are very similar to what I talked about. You have to be extra vigilant, make sure they're not getting into something, make sure that they have a place too that's away from the activity. Make sure that they are in a back room. If they're crate trained, put them in their crate, put the cat up in a back room, put on some nice holiday classical music, soothing, give them some toys to play with and occupy their time and make sure that they're away from the hubbub and action. You and your family are used to your pets, but not everybody is. Not everybody knows how to appropriately interact with them. And some people that you may have over also might be afraid of them or allergic. So you want to make sure that everybody has a good time and that you don't have a miserable holiday that you have to complain about through the new year. So just take extra time to make sure that your pets have a little escape room or place that they can go and make sure that you don't forget them during the holidays. You know, get so busy and you're busy baking and you're busy shopping. Don't forget to give them extra special attention. They're going to really enjoy it. Exercise will also help them. Your dogs are going to get really hyper if their puppies are adolescents and you don't have time to train them and don't have time. So get those dogs out, play fetch, run with them, use a flirt pole to play with them, get some good and tired in a short period of time. And the more you can run that excess energy off, the happier everybody will be. So I mentioned maybe your kids really, really want a pet for the holidays, but you are not committed. You want a pet, but just not now. You want to wait till things calm down. Kudos to you, first of all. I think that's a great idea. I think that more people should realize when it's the right time for them. For some, it's the holidays. For some, it's not. So what do you do? What can you do? I have this this idea that I've loved and I've recommended it for years and families have really embraced it. 
consider putting together a future Fido or future kitty basket. You can use a bed. You can get a pet bed or, heck, buy the crate. If you're going to crate train the dog, which I highly recommend, get a crate and fill it with a couple different things. And you can put that under the tree. Wrap it up, put a nice pretty bow on it, and that becomes the present. What you're going to do is you're going to get some toys. Make sure you get appropriate canine or kitty toys for the size of the pet that you're getting. A nice collar and leash. Again, appropriate size for what your plan is. Food and water bowls. And you're going to put all that out. And then you're going to give some books. You can get books on different types of dogs. There are lots of uh, breed books out there. There are, which has information about what the breed requires in terms of exercise and grooming, activity levels, whether or not they're really good with children. Every dog is an individual. Every cat is an individual. So please bear that in mind. However, breeds in general for hundreds and hundreds of years have been bred for specific purposes. So it's a good generality. Don't, when you're skimming those books to pick up, don't get the one that loves every breed and says they're all wonderful for everybody because that's really not realistic. <laughs> you know, make sure you pick up a book that says, ah, oh, this dog likes to jump in mud puddles or whatever. You know, something that's good that's going to be given a little bit of the downside because you want a realistic perspective. But these are fun for the kids to go through and for you to go through as a family and, you know, bookmark the ones that you like and ones that you would never bring into the house. These are good research tools to do. There's also things that you can do you can put in coupons into the little bed or crate or container. For example, you could have a coupon for one family trip to a dog or cat event. That would be fun to go as a family. There are lots of dog sports out there. There's agility competitions, obedience competitions, conformation shows. That's the beauty pageant of the dog world. The dogs go around in circles and the judge checks them out and judges them to the standard of that breed. And that's conformation, C-O-N-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N, not confirmation just in case you wanted to know. So if you see about conformation, that's what that is. It's the beauty pageant of the dog world. Even if you are wanting a mixed breed dog, which I'm wonderful, I think that knowing the breeds is important because you're going to get a combination of something. And if you can know what that combination is, some dogs, you just don't have a clue. But some dogs, the rescue organization might know that, well, the mom was a lab and the dad was a Dalmatian or something. You want to know what those breeds entail because you're getting a combination of that DNA and bringing it home with you. So be sure to uh, do your research. And plus, it's a lot of fun. Like I said, you might find dogs that you never even considered. You might also consider a coupon for maybe two hours of family time, watching a pet movie together. Any Lassie movie, those are always wonderful. The Adventures of Milo and Otis, that's an old favorite of mine. Because of Winn-Dixie, that's a sweet movie. Lady and the Tramp, makes me cry every time, so I'm not going to put that on my list. But maybe it's some family time watching a movie together. You want to be careful of the, the dogs in the movies. That's all acting, that's all well-trained, and there are wonderful editors and special effects people behind all that. That's not realistic, necessarily, dog behavior. But they're fun, and you can do that as a family. I just think that that's a really good idea for the family to be involved. Other books to consider are training books. And boy, do I have some recommendations for you. My two books just came out this past month. I'm very excited about them. One is Animal Planets, Dogs 101, Dog Training. And it's a nice general book on lots of different training you can do with your dog. The second one is the Dog Fancy Ultimate Guide to Dog Training. And that is a jam-packed book with lots of information on tricks and problem behaviors and lots of things 
to train your dog. Both of those books give you the basics on what you need to buy and how you need to use it. They're all based on really positive, reward-based, modern scientific methods. So when you're shopping under the tree for your future Fido basket, I hope you'll consider the books. And if you already have a dog, I still hope you'll consider the books. They'd also make great presents for your dog-owning friends. So those are available at your local bookstores and at Amazon.com. So I also told you that I would share one of my favorite holiday memories. I wrote a story many years ago, and when I was thinking about including it in the show, I was thinking about how long ago it was, because all these dogs that I write about in the story are no longer with us, which uh, is sad, but it's sweet that I still have the memory. This was a nonfiction story that was published in Christmas Dogs, a literary companion, and this was put out many years ago. It was a collection of nonfiction stories by a bunch of wonderful authors. I was so excited to be asked to participate because there's a James Harriet story in this book. And I grew up reading all his stories, and it was such an honor to be included in the same book. Uh, my friend Liz Palaika is in here. Shel Silverstein is in here. And unfortunately, this book is out of print. You might still be able to find it on eBay, however. Every now and then it pops up. But my story was called Guests for the Holidays. And in the grand tradition of Christmas tales, I thought that I would share it with you here during the show today. So it begins. My pet sitter canceled. I know you said before that you wouldn't mind keeping cider, but are you sure? I hate to ask, but we're leaving tomorrow, my friend asked. No problem, I replied. What's one more? I had already arranged to keep another friend's dog while she traveled over the holidays. And even though I knew I would have a full house, considering I'm a single woman with three dogs and one cat of my own, I wasn't worried. My pets were used to visitors, and since my friends were also assistants for my dog training business, I knew their dogs were pretty well behaved. Pippin, my nine-year-old Papillon, would probably feel the most put out. Pippin was often offended at the slightest hint of another creature occupying the center of the universe. Whenever his place in the cosmos was in doubt, he felt a burning need to remind me that he was, truly, the most affectionate, most adorable, most important animal in my life. He would hurl his seven pounds into my lap and shower my chin and ears with a flurry of frantic kisses. You love me best, right? Me, me, me. Lucky for him, my other fur kids didn't mind sharing. Black Labrador Logan was just over a year old, bursting with bounce. He swam through life like a baleen whale, jaws wide open and ready to snag anything in his path. Logan adored Pippin, racing to greet him every morning and offering an affectionate slurp. Pip, to say the least, did not share the love. Since Logan was the baby of the family and an active one at that, he often required a lot of my attention. Pippin didn't appreciate having to share that commodity, except when it came to my other black Labrador, Cody. Cody was already with me when Pippin joined the family, so the Papillon grew up with Cody as his best friend. Cody was my dear old man, a sweet, snow-faced 11-year-old. Cody had started life as a stray. He suffered an accident at a tender age and, as a result, had to have his front left leg amputated. I adopted him from my veterinarian soon after the surgery. He never missed the leg growing up, but in these twilight years, we were paying the price as arthritis settled into his joints. He still had the heart of a puppy, but his body could no longer keep up with the youngsters. My biggest concern in pet-sitting other dogs was in keeping Cody and his achy bones safe. I figured with all the dog crates and baby gates I had on hand, I could separate animals as necessary and manage the menagerie. Baby gates would also come in handy for Sebastian, my tabby cat. 
If my friend's dogs proved too rambunctious, Sebastian could leap over a strategically placed baby gate to peace and quiet. He had perfected this technique while developing his favorite game, Torture the Lab Puppy. The game would begin with him leaping out from under the coffee table and pouncing upon the tempting target of Logan's constantly in motion tail. Logan would then gleefully pounce back. A brief wrestling match would ensue until Sebastian would bolt. Of course, Logan would chase. At that point, Sebastian would leap over the nearest baby gate, land with a soft thud, and immediately start bathing himself, for all appearances forgetting the puppy ever existed. Poor Logan would stare desolately through the gate mesh, confused about the rules of the game. Being an ever-optimistic Labrador, he fell victim to this game every single day, much to the smug delight of my cat. My four boys and I had a nice little routine. They knew when it was time to get up, when it was time to eat, and what evenings I taught my late dog training classes. They knew the house rules, and I knew every quirk and nuance of their individual personalities. We fit together comfortably, like pieces of a multi-species puzzle. Adding other dogs to the mix could shake things up a bit, but in the spirit of the holidays, I was full of good cheer at the prospect. The first guest to arrive was Annie, a six-year-old rough collie. Annie was so beautiful, you could swear she had her own theme music announcing her every entrance, surging with a string orchestra. A frequent play buddy of Logan's, Annie had also spent the previous Christmas with us, so she felt quite at home. The second Annie walked in the door, my two Labradors melted on the spot. They were suckers for this beautiful blonde. She greeted each of the boys, but saved special attention for Pippin. Annie loved little things, whether they were babies, bunnies, or fluffy little toy breeds. She would gently stretch her long nose to touch Pip's, being careful not to startle him. She always looked a tad puzzled when checking him over, as if she wondered if he was really a dog or an animated stuffed animal. After saying hello, Annie began her perimeter watch. A true herding dog, Annie preferred to frequently circle the house, making sure everyone and everything was in its rightful place. Love struck Logan followed her every move, carrying a variety of toys in his mouth as offerings of his affection. After making sure the house was secure, Annie engaged Logan in a fierce tug-of-war battle. Belonging to a rather verbal breed, Annie punctuated her games with a running commentary. Growls and yips peppered the action as the two dogs vied for the same rope bone. Annie had helped teach Logan this game when he was a small puppy, and it appeared she once again had the upper paw. Suddenly, a light bulb went off over the Labrador's head. He was now heavier than she was. Logan discovered if he collapsed on the ground and held fast, Annie couldn't budge him an inch. So he planted himself in the middle of the living room, teeth locked onto the bone, and tail wildly spinning in circles as Annie tugged to no avail. The challenge lasted 45 minutes. Annie finally had enough, relinquished the bone, and resumed perimeter patrol duty. During the game, I had settled onto the couch with a magazine, joined by the ever-needy Pippin and Sebastian, who surveyed the action with superior humor. Logan tried to engage Annie some more, but finally tired of following her around the house. He plopped down at my feet next to Cody. It was settling into a nice, peaceful afternoon with my animal friends. Soothing quiet. Thump, thump, thump. Peaceful silence. Thump, thump, thump. I looked down. Every time Annie passed the Labradors, their tails thumped the floor in unison as the sable and white vision passed before them. When she would disappear around the couch, the tails ceased. We spent much of the next hour with synchronized tail thumping passing the time until Annie finally settled down for a nap. We were all rested when our last-minute guest arrived, Cider. A yellow Labrador was a tomboy. 
She was a rough-and-tumble girl with boundless energy despite the fact that she was a middle-aged six years old. She, Logan, and Annie were good friends, but she had never stayed at my house before. I was a bit concerned that she would bowl Cody over with her enthusiasm, so I decided to play it safe and put him up and out of arm's way the first night. If Cider had theme music to her entrance, it would be a rousing marching band number. She came bursting into the house, slammed Logan with a hello, and began sniffing around and getting her bearings. I was concerned that Cider might be stressed, as this was her first sleepover. I could not have been more wrong. She was so comfortable, she got the zoomies. She got this crazed look in her eye and dashed off at a top speed with Logan in hot pursuit. Annie, not one to miss a herding opportunity, brought up the rear barking instructions. The three big dogs were having a blast running full tilt around my living room. A living room that was never meant to be an arena for this sport. The dogs careened in her furniture and bounced off the walls. Since Cider wasn't familiar with the terrain, she kept zooming into places and getting stuck. It's pretty embarrassing trying to zoom properly when you have to keep backing out of dead ends. I finally called a halt to the shenanigans, afraid that my neighbors would think I was hosting a wild holiday party. I told all the dogs it was time to settle down. Cider promptly leaped up onto the couch. Now, the house rule was that big dogs were not allowed on the furniture. Since Cody was on strict veterinarian's orders to not jump and aggravate his arthritis, he wasn't allowed on the furniture. Therefore, no big dogs were allowed in order to be more fair. The smaller dogs got away with it for several reasons. Sebastian would have engaged his feline deafness, pretending he didn't hear me tell him to get off. Pip was insecure enough that I thought he could use the boost in height, if not self-esteem. And I'm embarrassed to admit this as a professional trainer, but I was unduly influenced by the fact that both of the little guys were awfully cute. I told Cider off and she looked confused, but did as I asked. She then plucked her head on my leg, pleading with me to change my mind. She was allowed on the couch at her place. What was the problem here? Sorry, sweetie, but no deal, I said. Cider looked crushed. She paced for a few minutes, occasionally plunking her head back on my leg, looking pathetic, and hoping I'd come to my senses. After this didn't work, she finally settled for Cody's nearby dog bed. She threw herself upon it with a melodramatic sigh and immediately fell asleep. I thought that would be a good idea for us all, so I put everyone and myself to bed. The next day after breakfast, I figured it would be a good time to introduce Cider to Cody. I grabbed a handful of treats to serve as distraction. I prepared to use Cider's easy cue. I braced myself in case I had to deflect an exuberant Cider greeting. After preparing for a dozen possible scenarios, I felt ready. I brought my sweet old man out to meet the tomboy, who vanished, to be replaced by a silly, flirty, girly girl. With one look at Cody's salt and pepper face, Cider was in love. You could practically see cartoon hearts popping like bubbles over her head. She bowed. She danced. She lovingly burped in his face. That's a Labrador sign of affection. Ever the gentleman, Cody kissed her sweetly, then went and lay down in his favorite spot. Cider refused to leave his side. Logan brought her toys and kissed her ears, but she wasn't interested. She only had eyes for Cody. She darted off, found a bone, and giddily dropped it on Cody's head. Another Labrador sign of affection. Cody just wagged, looking quite pleased that he'd landed himself a younger woman's attention. Since I had to prevent Cody from roughhousing, Cider eventually grew tired of him just lying there and not accepting her flirty invitations to chase her. So she finally settled for Logan. Round and round and round the living room they went, occasionally stopping for games of lab wrestle aerobics or dramatic teeth clashing. An unknowing visitor would think the dogs were trying to kill each other, but they were having a grand time. Meanwhile, Annie was commencing her perimeter patrol, occasionally joining in on the Labrador Olympics. 
Pippin and Sebastian thought it safer to head to higher ground and perched behind my head on top of the couch pillows. During patrol, Annie would often pause to check on Pippin as if to make sure his batteries had not run out. The dogs did not leave me out of the fun. One by one, they'd bring me toys to throw or just stop by for an ear scratch and a kiss on the nose. I called these affection breaks, and without fail, they were always attended in pairs. Logan and Pippin. Cody and Pippin. Annie and Pippin. Cider and Pippin. Did I mention Pip had some security issues? The week passed, with all of us falling into a new routine. I taught all the dogs to wait by the door until they heard their names as cues to enter or exit. An early attempt by the canines to all gallop through the door at the same time had not made for a pretty holiday picture. Annie made sure we were all in place. Logan got his exercise, running from Collie to Labrador. Sebastian supervised from a lofty position, occasionally swatting at a passing tail. Cider professed her undying love for Cody, and Pippin made sure I got enough butterfly kisses so I couldn't lose his little self in the crowd. Before I knew it, my friends had returned, and after hugs and holiday wishes, my guests went home. When I returned to work, several of my co-workers looked at me strangely when I described my week with my four-legged guests. You had all those animals at your house? By yourself? Didn't it drive you crazy? They asked. As I listened to their tales of braving holiday traffic, enduring the stress of visiting family, and suffering through shopping malls in search of perfect gifts, I couldn't help but smile. What better way to share the season of giving than with animals who give so much of themselves? That Christmas was special. As the dogs played and snuggled and acted silly, their joy bounded through my home. I still hear the happy echoes of that holiday, now that Annie and Cody are gone. Annie died unexpectedly a year later, and Cody crossed the Rainbow Bridge soon after. No matter how many holidays we wish to spend with our animal friends, they never live long enough. But the Christmas we shared together was a precious gift, and a memory I will carry in my heart, always. Thank you so much for joining us on Get Positive Results today. Thank you to my producers for making it possible. And I'm wishing you all a happy holiday season. We'll be back for more before the end of the year. Thanks again. I'm Teodi Anderson. This is Get Positive Results. And you've been listening to Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.